For all kinds of reasons, inflationary pressures across the globe have been mounting, and all of this has led to underinsurance becoming a big topic of discussion. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Risk Acumen podcast, which offers thoughtful insight around risk management. Now, the risk of underinsurance seems to suddenly be on everyone's agenda, not only within the insurance industry, but throughout the wider world. So today, I'm delighted to be joined by Will Molland, a chartered member of the Institute of Building and an associate member of RICS, who is also director of Innovative Building Insurance Valuation Providers, rebuildcostassessment.com. Hi, Will. Many thanks for joining me today. Hi, Johnny. Hi, good to be here. Now, Will, there is definitely a significant buzz around the issue of underinsurance right now. I mean, it seems like there's hardly a week or even a day goes by without it being highlighted as a piece of industry news and it's even making its way into the, the mainstream media now. So why is this? So uh, really what we're seeing, Johnny, is we're seeing uh, an increase in inflation uh, across the, the wider economy. Yeah. So we're all familiar with um, all types of items that have increased in cost recently. And of course, when you're looking at buildings insurance in particular, the cost of construction is really highlighted. And it's fair to say from about the start of 2021, um, we started to see some really sharp upturns in the cost of construction materials, the availability of those materials as well, uh, and the increase in the cost of labor. And they started feeding through with some significant rises, uh, you know, structural steel rising by sort of 70, 80 percent within a few months uh, and has had quite a, you know, quite a knock on effect in the cost of rebuilding. And anyone faced with a loss, uh, faced with reinstating a building, would have been acutely aware of those costs at the time of the claim. It's it's kind of a cocktail of things, isn't it? Really, because it's 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 as you say, it's labour costs. It'll also be those professional fees. Every every everything, as we all know, is yeah, absolutely, absolutely yeah. everything uh, feeding into that. And of course, what you've got there is you've got two types of inflation at work there. You've got demand pull inflation. So certainly on the residential side, you have lots of people during lockdown decided that they do some work on their houses. This created sort of unprecedented demand for, you know. Uh, decorating materials for timber, for paving slabs. Everyone yeah. started wanting in, in, extensions here, there, and everywhere. So that you know dragged up the, the, the price of materials. You then had cost push from uh, shortages, uh, increases in manufacturing costs, uh, supply line disruption, etc. And that all fed through uh, and and really you know really pushed up the cost of construction. And, and looking at this issue from from an insurer's perspective, there's obviously a, a clear financial need to address underinsurance, isn't there? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, from an insurer's perspective, they're taking uh, premium payments from policyholders, and those premium payments very much represent, you know, the amount of liability and the cost expected by an insurer if there was ever to be a claim. Yeah. If a claim is made and, for example, uh, reinstatement works are found to be 50% underinsured, and only 50% of the premium is being collected, then you know, you've know you got a, a real problem there for the policyholder. They're not going to get a sufficient payout. And the insurance company is going to have to do something about that. They, you know, they're not going to be able to pay that claim in full because the uh, appropriate premium hasn't been paid on that policy. Yeah. So, yeah, a no-win so, situation for everyone. Yeah. So it's a case of them really trying to drive things to a point where they're getting a premium that is commensurate with that risk, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And... 
you've also got reinsurer rates sitting in the background as well. So mm. all these insurance companies that we, we see from the uh, media and the television advertising behind them sit very, very large insurance, uh, reinsurance companies. You know, they're the ones that provide the capacity to the, the sort of front end of the market. Uh, they require information and they require you know, an acceptable return on their money. And all that has to be in place in order for the insurer to be able to pay out. So it's all about getting the correct premium, yeah. getting the correct level of cover. Obviously, the reinsurance uh, falls into place behind the scenes. And when it comes to a claim, do insurers really want the uh, you know the reputational damage that's caused by having to repudiate those claims? Of course not. You know they want to get those yeah. risks on the correct basis from day one. And if there is a claim, they can deal with them. Absolutely. And that, and that feeds nicely into the the insurance broker's point of view as well, because in, in, under insurance is, a, is significant from an end customer, the policyholder, their client. Absolutely right. I mean, brokers work extremely closely with policyholders. You know, that's their role to understand their the, the policyholders, their clients' needs, understand their risk, you know, what sort of cover they need, what's the best cover for their business, for their property, and then present that to you know, insurers to a panel of insurers uh, and get the best deal for their customer, which isn't always the best price. Of course, it could be the you know the correct level of cover, uh, the breadth of cover, the scope of cover. Yeah. Of course, brokers are facing an issue as well around something called the consumer duty, which is coming into effect later this year, and this this places even further pressure around um, positive outcomes. It does indeed, and I think it's very much thinking about that in the context of the 2015 uh, Treating Customers Fairly FCA report. And, you know, that was a couple of years before rebuild cost assessment started to get going. And it was quite interesting in the early days that there was a steady stream of brokers who had understood this this report and the implications of it and what that meant in in terms of uh, you know outcomes for policyholders and that very much fed into the early days of rebuild cost assessment and as we think about the growth of the business more and more firms came on with us we started them to grow obviously the problems around construction cost inflation has fed into that and of course we see the consumer duty feeding into this as well so in terms of awareness across the industry there's there's been growing awareness for many many years but i, I would say you know at the moment it's at an all-time high and i guess i guess another reason which you've just touched on there why under insurance is a hot topic is because there is now that more accessible and affordable solution to the problem Let, let's go back say you know 10 years well and paint a picture of what it, what it would have taken for a homeowner or a commercial property owner to actually obtain a professional assessment of reinstatement costs well i think 10 years ago you know it, it would have been a very different world um to in order to, in order to attain a you know a reinstatement valuation a rebuild cost assessment it would have meant going to a local firm of charter surveyors it would have been more expensive. It would have almost certainly resulted in a site survey. There wasn't, really wasn't any desktop provision in those days at all. You probably even had, uh, 10 years ago, some broking firms who would possibly give a bit of a steer, maybe a bit of advice to the policyholder about the amount they should be insured for. You know, yeah. that's commenting on the level of cover. I mean, that's something that, that you know, doesn't happen really now and, and, and it doesn't need to happen. There are firms like us that can deal with that. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, really quite a different environment. Yeah, it's all changed and it's, it's, it's a lot more digital. And of course, it's, it's remote in approach. 
significantly now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, here at Rebuild Cost Assessment, we can gather information from you know, multiple data points. Uh, one of the things we've seen over the last few years is the increase in the amount of planning imp- information that's online. That's all yeah. searchable. We can gather floor plans, uh, elevations, etc. You know, really quite a large amount of data on a property. We've also got ordnance survey, mapping tools that we can use, various satellite imaging techniques as well. Online estate agency information, as you can imagine, that industry has been going from strength to strength. So, you know, the amount of data that's out there now, not just on residential properties as well, but also on commercial properties that's available to us, is is increasing year on year. Um, And we've learned an awful lot you know, in the seven years that the business has existed uh, about yeah. how to do this. But you still do the traditional stuff as well, don't you? There, there, is, still a, there is still a need for you to go out and, and visit properties, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, we're still carrying out hundreds of site surveys a month. And, you know, that need continues. Listed properties are a key area to look at. There are uh, 100,000 plus listed properties in the UK, some of those are quite heavily protected, say grade one listed, for example. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's an area of underinsurance that, you know, we've, we've seen for years. And, uh, yeah, definitely uh, those properties need a site survey. And the more complex uh, risks always require a site survey. Where you've got multiple properties in the same location, that's often we can site survey there. Uh, and some of the more bespoke structures as well, particularly properties in a coastal location involving seawalls, properties close to water. These are the kind of areas we're um, we're site serving. And overall demand for your services is, well, it's rocketed, hasn't it, in the past couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, um, certainly in the last couple of years, you know, we've we've quadrupled the, the amount of work we're doing here. Um, I can go back to the early days of the business. Um, you know, we're now completing in a month the same amount of work that we would it would have taken several months to have got through. Uh, we've grown the team considerably, taken on a whole new office floor. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a really, really strong period of growth for us the last few years. Which isn't just great news for you, but for the thousands of property owners who, who now know how much they should really be insuring their properties for. Absolutely right. I mean, you've now got an affordable, accessible solution. It can be turned around in days rather than weeks or months. Uh, and, you know, policyholders can get themselves on the appropriate cover quickly, accessibly, uh, and, and get their insurance set correctly from day one. Look, looking ahead from here, Will, we've, we've seen this dramatic rise in construction costs, professional fees, labour costs, and so on, pushing up rebuilding values. Are these costs just going to keep on rising? Uh, they're not going to keep on rising at the same rate we've seen. I think that the general view at the moment is that uh, we, we've had a period of really steep rises. I mean, if we think about, um, you know, some aggregates, uh, some of the price rises there, we've seen jumps of 40, 50% within a few months. Yeah. As I mentioned, steel earlier, you know, really steep increases in steel. The general sort of building costs for components, the doors and windows, et cetera. They've risen steadily uh, and they continue to rise, but we are starting to see a leveling off. So I would say costs will continue to increase, but they won't be increasing at the rates we've seen certainly over the last 12 months. I think the one area I would keep an eye on, though, is uh, cement, concrete, uh, these energy-intensive areas, uh, bricks as well. They're very much uh, dependent on the feeding through of energy costs. So 
once energy costs start to settle down, then we'll start to see the cost of those items leveling off as well. But we're not quite there yet. Yeah, things aren't quite linking up either, are they? Because we've seen energy costs actually come down, but right. they're not really feeding <laughs> through no. yet, are they? No. So yeah. these, uh, you know, large uh, Brick manufacturers, for example, you know, they have long-term contracts in place for energy, so they won't have been hit with the high energy costs straight away. But of course, as they come up for renegotiation, those costs will increase. They're then finding themselves on longer-term contracts. Potentially, they could find themselves perhaps paying a little bit more than the market rate uh, as time goes on. But yeah, there certainly will be a bit of lag there. And there was almost a surprising report, wasn't there, from Citibank recently reported in the FT, which showed a, a, a huge kind of falling off of the rate of inflation, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. So they're predicting inflation towards the end of the year at 2%, which is really quite a lot lower than I think a lot of other estimates, which seem to be around the 4 or 5% mark. Um, yeah. I think interesting that you know there was very small growth in the economy back in January. GDP grew, I think it was by about 0.3% or something. That uh, I think was unexpected as well. So uh, I think talk of recession perhaps is sort of being kept to one side, but it's extremely slow growth and it's, it's more of a leveling off period. But undoubtedly, you know, we've got a lot of challenges uh, in the construction industry in the UK. I mean, we've got continuing issues around uh, labour availability. Uh, we've also got issues around um, insolvencies. Uh, so they're running at uh, all time highs as well. We've also yeah. got, you know, just general level of demand as well. Um, yeah, and I guess if demand falls, then we could even see things swing around in the longer term. We could do. We could indeed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think given a worst case scenario, perhaps of a, of a recession and uh, maybe a fall off in um, construction projects, you know, projects being mothballed, then yes, we, we could we could see some of these uh, costs even starting to come down. However, I think it's a, it's a bit early to call that at the moment. But yeah, I guess in a situation like that, we may even see it swing to an over insurance situation. Or it's 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 possible. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think. Um, I think at the moment, most people are expecting costs to kind of level out and remain relatively static. Yeah. I think looking at contractors and what we look at the tender price indices, which are quite a key measure in this area, uh, they are yeah. relatively low when you're forecasting out two or three years in the future, which is tending to imply that the industry is, is, is going to run along at a fairly level pace once we've got through these recent spikes in inflation. But that's not to say that the, you know, the cost of construction is going to come down. We get back to a, a more normal, uh, for, for whatever that word means, um, rate of inflation of maybe you know, 3 4 5% in the construction industry and, and not the, the recent we've seen of 15 20 25 in certain areas. And I guess the level the sheer level of underinsurance is even before all of the the rising construction costs. It was, it was so so significant, wasn't it? In terms of uh, you know about around about two thirds. It was, yeah, is, yeah, is, is where it sits. I understand. Yeah, that's right. But and even even in that situation, it would take a long time. <laughs> yeah, it would. I mean, we've we've yeah. we've looked at this um, over the years, and it's interesting how consistent it is. Really, that there is this uh, level of cover. Uh, that, that comes up where you know businesses, properties, homeowners uh, insured for around about 60, 66% of, of what they should be covered for. I think one of the things we are seeing at the moment, though, with all this, you know, this raising of the profile of underinsurance, we are seeing you know a significant number of very, very badly underinsured risks coming to the fore, and you know it, it's it's the case that they've they've almost been flushed out of the system. 
by the increasing awareness and the increasing oversight now. I guess overall, though, the the good to come out of this is the fact that we're seeing insurers, brokers and providers like you now working together uh, to tackle this problem. And I mean, underinsurance can be a traumatic experience for property owners in the event of a claim, can't it? Especially if it is a big one. Oh, absolutely right. Uh, you know, if, if you're if you're significantly underinsured, let's just say fifty percent for the sake of argument. Um, yeah you know, you are having to dip into your own pocket for what could be a considerable amount of money and tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of pounds. Now, you know, in terms of homeowners, uh, small, medium-sized businesses, you know, where's that money going to come from? It's going to come from increased borrowings. It's going to come from business reserves. It may not be available at all, in which case, you know, you're, you're looking at the specter of business failure there. It's also, you know, really quite a serious problem when you couple that with business interruption as well. So one of the key parts of our rebuild cost assessment reports is we always put in a rebuild period. And that's a calculation that we're making there based on the time it will take to to rebuild that property, you know, as a construction project and the time it will take you to get to the point at which you start rebuilding. Uh, and these, these, you know, these are different numbers. Um, it's likely that certainly in the in the current sort of construction market, by the time you've uh, cleared the site, settled the claim, uh, found a contractor who can do the work, you know, engaged into a tendering exercise, etc., procured that to contractor to start, you're several months on from the time of the loss before you even start. You're then looking yeah. at possibly a couple of years to rebuild, uh, maybe eighteen months, you know. If you've got those numbers wrong and you've got your indemnity period wrong in your business interruption insurance and you find that your business interruption cover is running out, let's say six months or 12 months before you've actually got your business back on its feet, uh, you'll find yourselves you know, really considerably exposed then um, yeah. and really you know, un- unable anywhere to turn. You, you know, you, you're, not, you're not covering the cost of your alternative accommodation. Uh, yet you haven't got your new premises finished. So that can end up as a really dangerous squeeze that you know can actually cause businesses to fail. Absolutely. Any other messages, Will, you'd like to get across around the issue right now? I think the key one is really, um, you know, talking to insurers and brokers, it's a case of, um, you know, ask, ask the policyholder when, when the last time they had the uh, rebuild cost looked at, have they got a recent rebuild cost assessment? You know, find out the timescales, uh, dig around and ask the questions. And speaking directly to property owners, do do really be careful with these these kind of you know fag packet calculations, numbers that are pulled off the top of your head. Um, yeah. Dare I say it? Speaking to your mate, a builder down in the pub, um, all these numbers can often end up rather too light um, and. Coming to a company like us, you get a robust cost analysis, you get your rebuild, you get your area measurements, your rebuild rates, your professional fees, your demolition, all itemized in the report, inclusive and exclusive VAT amounts, external items as well, all covered off in there. So you can be absolutely sure that in the event you have to make an insurance claim and you're speaking to a loss adjuster about your sum insured, you've got that report to back it up. Great stuff. Well, thanks again, Will, for for coming on and, and covering the risk of buildings under insurance from <laughs> many, many different angles all in one go. That's all well right. done with that. Thank you, Johnny. Much, much appreciated. And um, that's all we have time for 
for this episode of the Risk Acumen podcast. If you have any questions or comments around the topic we've discussed today or any of our other risk-related content, please head to our LinkedIn page. You can find a link at riskacumen.co.uk. In the meantime, thanks everyone for listening in and until the next time, goodbye for now.